Welcome in to a Tuesday episode of the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G, fresh off the weekend. Friendly reminder, make sure you follow the Back and Forth Podcast on Twitter at BackForthPod. Instagram's at BackForthPodcast. And while you're there, make sure you give the official home for Back and Forth, that, that being the Talk That Talk Media Company, a follow on Twitter at TTT Media Company. The rest of our socials are spelled out at Talk That Talk Media Company. As we always do here on a Tuesday, we'll go down our likes and dislikes from the weekend. As a reminder, this can literally be anything in sports that, you know, we, we saw, we liked, we disliked. Probably could be just anything in general. Like, we, you, you see somebody on the street you don't like, well, there's a dislike. So, <laughs> uh, it's a pretty wide range. and that, uh, That'll be for the summertime when the sports gets a little, a little dry. Yeah, we may, be, um, we may have to get creative with this, with yeah. this topic in the summertime for sure. But without further ado, let's chop right into it. Uh, we'll go over the likes first. Always start with the positive a little bit. Joey, what are your likes from the weekend? We well, didn't have them winning. Number one on the like list is Tennessee beating Alabama. Um, just seeing the celebration after and how important that game was uh, to Knoxville, Tennessee, um, is awesome and is 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 one of the cooler things I think I've seen in in college sports. Um, you know they hadn't beaten them. They had not beaten them since 2006, I believe. Um, and if correct me wrong, if I remember, three or four years ago, I can't remember the exact reason, but people were protesting outside the Tennessee football stadium. I think it was over a coaching situation. Um, but the the program exactly was not in the best shape um, as little as three four years ago. Um, and now to be in a situation where you're well on your way to the college football playoff. Uh, and that that's huge for them. And you like seeing these kind of stories in college football and seeing everyone storm the field and rip the goalpost off and throw it in the river. Um, like that's diamond and that's just cool. And uh, you know, it's always a good day when Alabama loses. I don't think anyone's exactly complaining besides Alabama from Alabama fans when they lose. And by the way, I can't think of a fan base that overreacts more between Alabama or USC when they lose. It's like your your year's over fire the coach. Uh, I, I mean, er, like every time one of these schools lose, it's a complete meltdown. Uh, I think Alabama is far worse in that category, uh, but still just seeing some USC fans reaction over the uh, Utah game. Uh, I was like, okay, come on. This is your first year head coach. You're in the top 10. You guys were what? Four and eight last season. Yeah. Um, you're now in the top 10. Uh, you're seven and one. I mean, I think, that is a huge turnaround for a first-year head coach. And, I mean, you look at Alabama, you're going to be in the playoff. You're six now, but you know, we everyone knows you're going to find your way in the playoff. Yeah. That's the committee's grand scheme here. It's the, They're going to get three SEC teams in the playoff. That's what they want. They want Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama all in the playoff. And they're going to they're gonna find a way. And then the fourth team will probably be Ohio State or Michigan. Whoever wins whoever wins that last game will get that fourth spot probably. between Ohio State and Michigan. But that's what, that's what the committee wants. So they're not fooling anyone. Bama, as long as you go eleven and one, you'll be well on your way uh, to another college football playoff. But anyway, very happy Tennessee won. Um, they're number one on my like list. Number two, speaking of upset picks, is the upset picks that I got right. Uh, I'm very proud of myself for that one. Uh, I got Utah beating USC off of a two point conversion, and I think my other one in the NFL was Seattle beating uh, Arizona by ten. Um, and then I don't think I'll really count the Buffalo one. I think me and Matt both had Buffalo uh, winning that football game. But 
um, and not even the the upset picks I got right, but also um, the other upsets that happened in the NFL that day that I think me and Matt both had gone wrong is the Giants beating Baltimore, uh, the Steelers beating um, Tampa Bay, and there's another one in there I'm missing in the NFL. Jets won. Yeah, I guess we could go with the Jets beating Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay is kind of... I know someone's really not going to like to hear that, but Green Bay Green Bay sucks this year. They Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I, we'll throw the Jets in there. I don't think a lot of people had the Jets winning that game, including us. So, um, especially in the NFL, uh, a good week for upsets, and it seems like it just keeps going and going and going. The Jets are sitting at 4-2. and two. Um, The Giants are 5-1. and one. Uh, And Seattle is 3-3, three and three, which is like... Typically, three and three is like eh, okay, but for, I think for Seattle's case, I think me and Matt had them sitting at zero and six or one and five at this point in the season, and we had them going about four and thirteen, five and twelve. Um, I think Matt had alluded a little bit that hey, they're gonna find a way to go to seven and ten, but um, they may they may go better than seven and ten this season. I'm not saying they're gonna go to the playoffs, but um, they may be an eight or possibly a nine win team the way they're playing. Geno Smith is playing great football right now, um, but yeah. The big one, obviously, was Utah beating USC. Um, I saw that at Allegiant Stadium going up the elevator. I saw that two-point conversion uh, happen. Um, so and, uh, Utah's not going to get their, their college football playoff spot like they probably had won at the beginning of the season. But kind of like how I said on the previous show, I think this game is kind of where they at least prove people something. You know, uh, They want to win this game to at least say, hey, we can, we're still a good football team and at least send some kind of message. Um I think I was well aware in that locker room after the UCLA loss that they were not going to go to the playoff. Um, so that they really wanted this game. They really wanted it. And, and it was a great football game. They ended up winning by a point. Um, and obviously having home field advantage in Salt Lake City definitely does help. Last on the like list, nothing. It didn't really happen over the weekend. It's happening today. The NBA is back. Um, very excited. Uh, very good time to be a sports fan right now. You have MLB, uh, the MLB playoffs going on. Um, NFL season is in full swing. College football season is in full swing. NBA is coming back and NHL is back. Um, or the NHL just started last week. So, And you have a great opening night tonight in the NBA. Uh, you have Boston and Philly, and you have the Lakers and uh, Golden State Warriors. So the NBA really had a got a home run here in this, these opening night, uh, this opening night slate. Um, I would have liked to see the Clippers play opening night, considering they're healthy again and... Um, I'd like to see like a Clippers Nuggets matchup maybe, but I'm not going to complain with this. So uh, very happy the NBA is back. Looking forward to both games tonight. Hopefully it's a one to no start for the Celtics because um, if not, it's time to overreact and blow up the team and say the season is over when we start off 0-1 in an 82-game season. But those are my likes. Matt, floor is yours. First one's a little bit of an oddball one just because we don't talk about this sport all that much but i'm gonna go with joey logano as my first like uh nascar nascar he won this weekend at vegas good dude by the way got got a chance to meet joey on saturday talked with him a bit um i had heard through other people that you know like joey logano is just a overall nice person a good dude to be around and yeah that's 100 percent true so um you know he he definitely gained a fan in me this weekend uh just for I mean, I had, you know, was out there covering for Talk That Talk Media Company, and I had, you know, questions for Joey, and he was kind enough. He sat there, he answered all those questions, and, um, you know, wasn't 
didn't make a big deal about it or anything like that. So uh, he uh, he gained some respect in my book, and always always good to see a good guy in the sport win for sure. Yeah. So uh, that's number one. Number two, we've got two Vegas natives playing in the MLB playoffs. Coincidentally, on the same team, Bryson Stott and Bryce Harper on the Phillies. So now that my Dodgers are out, I will root for the Phillies to win this whole thing. <laughs> Uh, just and you went to a Phillies game, so you can say that. I did. Know. I did. I think I might. I don't know if I saw that or not. I don't know. But in any case, I did go to a Phillies game last year. Um, good time. Um, but like I said, I mean, Dodgers are out. So by default, I'll go with uh, the Phillies. Just be cool to see Bryson Stott and Bryce Harper get a World Series ring and a little bit of uh, 702 ties there. But. The third one is the same as Joey's. The NBA's back. Uh, good matchups tonight. The Clippers don't play till Thursday, by the way. They play the Lakers opening night. So, oh, so you guys don't even play tomorrow. No. So Clippers get a couple extra days to get even more healthy, as if they didn't already have enough time off. But uh, the Clippers, uh, like I said, play on Thursday against the Lakers. The Lakers play tonight against the Warriors. Celtics play the uh, 76ers. I, to me, I think it's Celtics Warriors tonight as far as who wins. Like, yeah. I, I still, the jury's still out on Philly for me. Like, I genuinely don't know what I'm getting from Philly. Like, that almost feels like a team that could implode at any second. Like, if they don't click on the right cylinder or James Harden isn't playing the way, like, we, we've been accustomed to seeing James Harden in the past, that I mean, we could be getting near the deadline, and Joel Embiid could be saying, "Like, get me out of here because this is enough." Like, I dealt with Ben Simmons' crap. I'm not dealing with James Harden's crap and having my career wasted in Philly. Like, right. So, and people are making a lot a big deal about you know Ime Odoka not being on the sideline. Personally, when it comes to the team, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference. Like, I still think that Celtics team is going to be good. Like, they have uh Jason Tatum they have Jalen Brown they have Marcus Smart they have mostly everybody back from last year's uh finals roster they've added in uh Malcolm Brogdon like this is a good team like I mean I would say of all the professional sports the NBA is probably the one sport or the one league that you don't necessarily need that great of a head coach on your bench if you have a good roster and that's what the Celtics have is um they've got a good roster and from what I've heard, Joe Mazzulla is not a bad uh, interim coach either. Like, he's he's not the worst option in the league. Um, you know, probably one of the better options to go to. I think very respected amongst the the guys on the team. So um, I'll go with both home teams tonight. How the Warriors don't blow out the Lakers by 20 tonight, I don't know how. Um, again, the Lakers talk about turmoil, like, the, all the, around. The Lakers are a mess, yeah. and I love it. I really do. Um and I think I think next episode we'll do a little bit of NBA previews because um, it's an eight two game season. It'll be only one game, one game into the season. I think we can afford to do it a little bit late. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the the Lakers are are a complete mess. Like Russell Westbrook is not, and, and people can Westbrook and everyone on the team can say whatever they want about that. But being in any work environment or being on any team. And you're like you're not a part of the team huddles, and you're like being distant from everyone. Like, what kind of message does that send? Like, it's it's pretty obvious that he's uncomfortable being there, or there's some kind of tension between him and Anthony Davis, or him and LeBron, or him and whoever. Um, like, they can sit up there and go to the podium and lie all they want. Uh, at the end of the day, I think majority of NBA fans aren't idiots, and they can kind of see that something's not right there. Yeah, I mean, 
especially for today's game, like I don't see the Lakers going into was it Chase Center now? Yeah. On ring night and dethroning that Warriors team, not gonna happen. We said before that because um, we talked about it when the Rams play the Bills. Teams can, like, on ring ceremony night, teams can kind of slack a little bit if they're playing a good enough team. I don't think the Lakers are good enough to kind of catch the the no. Warriors. on their, If it was, like, the Clippers, I'd be like, yeah, okay, watch out. Or if it was, like, the Nuggets, I'd be like, okay, yeah, they could they could be sneaky here. Or Memphis maybe, um, but not, not the Lakers. And we'll see if this team can get the sixth seed and avoid the play-in. I don't even know if they can do that. Yeah. I, th- I think their ceiling is honestly the sixth seed this year, and their floor is the 10th. Yeah. I mean, it could be lower than the 10th for all we know. But all that, let's get to the dislikes of the weekend. Maybe one of our more favorite portions of this segment. Uh, We like being negative. Joey, floor is yours (laughs) for the dislikes. This is something I think all uh, all of America can agree on. No more Broncos primetime games. Please. We're done. I've had enough. I've seen enough. You've suffered enough. I've you know, um, I think Russell Wilson, the way he cooks and he needs to start working in a McDonald's at the 3 a.m. shift. Right. Yeah, you know, right. I think that's I think that's where his cooking belongs. Um, another tough game. It started off pretty good. It was a solid first quarter. Uh, past that, it was very slow and sluggish. And I think the final score kind of speaks for itself, 19 to 16. Um, I think the Broncos, thank God, only have one more primetime game left in the later end of the season. So there's hope that it gets, I don't know if flex is the right word because it'd be getting bumped down. So I guess saying bumped down, uh, hopefully they move. If it's a Monday night game, they just move it to Sunday and they put someone else. Hopefully there's there's a little ounce of hope that they just move that game or just get rid of it as a whole um, and give both teams a loss to save us time. Um, but yeah, I'm sick of the Broncos primetime games. There's only one left, so uh, thank God. But most of the, I hate to say it, most of the NFL primetime games this year have been been pretty pretty shit. Yeah, I'll be honest. I mean, let's let's not let's not lie to ours. The Raiders and Chiefs was a good one. Yeah, Cowboys and Eagles sucked. Yeah, sorry. Um, and that's Jerry Jones's fault. I should have put that on my dislike list. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk about it real quick because it's not on my dislike list. Jerry Jones is a fucking idiot. Plain and simple. He's once Dak was ready for that LA game, the Rams game, and he wants to ride this little Cooper Rush. And it's gonna. And I told him it's gonna. It's gonna. It's he's gonna lose a game at some point. And Cooper Rush by himself is not good enough to win you anything. That defense is carrying the holy hell out of this team right now. Cooper Rush isn't going to do anything for you. Cooper Rush is a good backup quarterback. That's what he is in the NFL. He's nothing else. He is not a starter. He is far from a starter. And that game against Philly, a divisional rival on the road, prime time, proved that he is not a starter in the NFL. So. Of course, as soon as he falls flat on his face, all of a sudden, Dak Prescott is ready. Um, Dak probably should have been playing in that game. Dak was healthy for that game. Um, yeah, Dak should have been in uniform that game. And now, um, as soon as Cooper Rush sucks, Jerry Jones is like, okay, Dak, you go back in there. So uh, another, re- another reason to really despise and hate Jerry Jones. But, um, yeah, number one on the, like, on the dislike list is Broncos primetime. Two, Kansas football. I'm worried. We're, this was America's team. Everyone was rooting for him, but this just all seems too similar here. In 2009, Kansas football started off 5-0. and Do you want to know what they finished for the year? 5-7? and 
five and seven. They oh, lost oh seven straight games. They start off five and zero oh this year. We're sitting at five and two now. They're coming off a pretty. I know their quarterbacks are, but Oklahoma sucks this year. Coming off a pretty bad loss, I'd say, um, to Oklahoma, which I never thought I'd be saying in a lifetime that Kansas had a bad loss to the Oklahoma Sooners. And you look at you look at the remainder of their schedule here for the Jayhawks. Um, let's pull it up here, and it's it's a little worrisome because they got Baylor next. Baylor's three and three, but it's a road game. Baylor is currently favored by seven and a half points. And then you have Oklahoma State, 11th, uh, who is ranked 11th in the country at home. You've got a 3-3 three and three Texas Tech team on the road. You've got 20th-ranked Texas at home. And you've got 17th-ranked Kansas State on the road. They got to get Baylor, Texas Tech, if they want to go bowling. They're starting QBs out. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Some people are saying for the rest of the year. Some say he'll be back possibly for the Texas or Texas Tech game. Um, but they got a really tough stretch coming up, and it would really suck to see this team go five and seven. It would honestly suck to see them go six and six, starting on five and zero. Oh. But at least get the six and six and get some bowl eligibility. Um, but yeah, I'm a little a little worried about the Jayhawks. I want to see them do well. I want to see them succeed. Um, I really hope they can get those uh, Texas Tech and and Baylor wins and at least get to to seven and five and get into a decent bowl game. Um, but last on the dislike list is the UNLV QB situation once again. Um, Marcus Royal has done a fine job this year. One thing I'm going to criticize him on is, again, the quarterback situation. Harrison Bailey and Cameron Field as co-starters, you got to name a starting QB going into the game. I know he was rocking with Friel. And then the third quarter, he takes Freel out, and then he puts Bailey in, and then he puts Freel back in. Um, you you got to stick with the quarterback. Brumfield's out. You can't do this co-starter bullshit no more. It did not work your first year here. Went 0-6. Um, the second year, through the first four games when Brumfield was healthy, it did not work. We went 0-4. It does not work. Pick a starter, ride with him until Brumfield comes back. Hopefully Brumfield comes back from Notre Dame. If not, I'd assume San Diego State, um, but we we can't go through the cycle again. And that's I think that's one of the weaknesses of Marcus Arroyo. Um, like I said, he's done a great job this year. Uh, I know these last two games have been rough, but there's been a lot of health issues with the program. And hey, I'll take complaining about being four and three over complaining about being zero and seven any day of the week. Yep. Um, but the one of his weaknesses and one of my pet peeves with him is the when the quarterback goes down or he can't decide on a quarterback, this little QB carousel that he does. And I, and I can't stand it because it does not work. And it's just, it's really inefficient. And it's just, you've got to, you got to pick a QB and you've got to ride with him. Like Karen Friel did not have the best game, but I don't think he played bad enough to be benched. Like he was eight of 10 for a hundred and some yards and he threw a touchdown pass. So like stick with Cameron Friel. Cameron Friel knows how to throw the football. You can throw the football a little bit. Um, I think he proved that last season. Or if you're going to ride with Harrison Bailey, put Harrison Bailey in the game and let him ride out the game. Like it was 35 to seven. We had already lost that game. There was really no reason to take Cameron Field out, especially that late in the game. Like if you're going to do it, do it in the second quarter, do it in the first quarter. Um, it was 35 to seven in the third quarter. We're not going to come back and win this game. I don't think he was playing that bad. His blocking was terrible. He had no Kyle Williams or, or Jeff, uh, Weimer, Jeff Weimer. Um, 
Also, Aiden Robbins got hurt too, so that takes away from the running game a little bit. Stick with the QB, man, please. Stick with the quarterback. Uh, so we'll see what the approach is against Notre Dame this week, uh, depending on Doug Rumfield's health. Um, but, yeah, those are my likes. Likes, Tennessee, upsets, NBA being back, dislikes, Broncos being in Broncos primetime games, Kansas football, and the UNLV quarterback carousel that made its glorious return on Saturday for homecoming. Well, while we're on the topic of UNLV football, that's actually the number one on my dislike list, but it's not for UNLV football as far as the team. I'm going to throw shade at the ref. I mean, come on. We're going into the stands now and telling the marching band to stop playing. Like, do you, are you really that bored during the game that you have to go into the stands? I heard he got in trouble for that, by the way. He should have. He should have been kicked off the field immediately and fired by the Mountain West. Don't worry about what's going on in the stands. Worry about what's on the field. You know, the thing that you get paid to do. Like, I, I saw the replay, and I, I, I looked up, and I thought, what is he doing? Like, did somebody say something? And he's just going to talk to the marching band. Also, doesn't he have communication with people in the booth? Yeah. Like, he could literally just make an announcement, on, or like when, when you're calling a flag and say, could the marching band please stop playing? Like, when there's an error on the clock, he goes up and he says... Could the clock uh, manager please reset the clock to 631? I think he could have done that for the March band where he could have commuted to someone in the booth and the PA announcer could have made an announcement. Um, I don't think, like you're right, he did not need to go into the stance. But like we said, there should be no surprise with Mountain West officiating. Like, Don't rule anything out with these guys because no. they are all world bad. Um, I didn't like that, to be honest. So, I mean, I get it's a blowout game, but like, come on, dude. Just focus on what's going on on the field. That, that'll that keep you plenty busy, I promise. Yeah. Um, I don't think the marching band was really affecting Air Force either. <laughs> I didn't even notice the marching band, to be honest. Like, I was in the booth. I was like, I didn't notice the marching band. Like, were they doing something wrong? Like, I, didn't, <laughs> I don't notice them. I'm noticing Air Force from the ball. I mean, that's what I, I would say. Uh, kind of along the same lines, um, but more of a general principle when it comes to officiating. Can we please figure out roughing the passer this offseason, like this upcoming offseason? Can we please figure out and define what roughing the passer is? Because yet again, it struck again Monday night where if you're a Chargers fan, you got handed a gift of roughing the passer because they called one, I think, on Bradley Chubb. For one, Justin Herbert didn't even fall down. He stayed completely standing. Bradley Chubb lifted off of Justin Herbert, so he, like, held up. Like, he didn't, like, go full body weight on Justin Herbert. He barely touched Justin Herbert and it was a 15-yard penalty for roughing the passer. So we've gone from this penalty barely being called to now it being overly called. We need to find a middle ground for this, and we need to figure out what it actually is. It's, it's like the two, the two calls, I would say, in football that we need to define and figure out this offseason is targeting in college football. That needs to be clearly defined because nobody knows what it is, and roughing the passer in the NFL because, again— it's becoming the, one of those penalties that nobody seems to know what it is, and it's very subjective. So either get rid of it or better define it in the rule book so that everybody knows what it is. But, I mean, that would... That, it's, it's Matt. It's touching the quarterback. Come on. I mean... touch the QB... I, I, I guess not. Like You sick, sick bastard. I, I, get, I guess. I mean, maybe we just play flag football and, like, you got to pull the flag off the quarterback or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it's getting pretty ridiculous. And then... To round out, 
I get, I got new two NASCAR points in this likes dislike thing. I didn't think I was gonna have two, but um, this was pretty bad. Uh, Bubba Wallace retaliating on Kyle Larson. If we had a one idiot section, he would probably take what an idiot for me. Um, I get that in the moment. Bubba probably felt like Kyle Larson raced him a little bit dirty, which he kind of did. Like, I, I ain't going to lie. But I do think that taking your vehicle and slamming it into Kyle Larson, sending him into the wall at 170 miles an hour is not a very wise idea. Very dangerous. This is a sport where people have literally died driving. You At that point, you are taking Kyle Larson's life into your own hands. If I, I mean, I don't know what the penalty is going to be from NASCAR. I would imagine it's probably a fine and a loss of some points. They, I mean, maybe want to look at a suspension. I don't know. But in any case, like, you have to re- react a little bit different than, than that. Like, because, I mean, this is a season where, I mean, it's a brand-new car and guys are missing more races due to injuries, you know, a lot of head injuries and concussions and all that because of the uh, questionable safety of this car that is now redesigned for the season. Like we, we, that's been a huge talking point the last handful of weeks in the sport. And when you make the decision to send somebody head straight on head on, because you are upset with them at that speed, like that could have taken Kyle Larson out for the rest of the year because of injury, just point blank. Like there's no room for it. If you're mad at Kyle Larson, go up to him after the incident and go fight him on pit road or something. Like, I, I don't know. Go have a shoving match. Like I'd have much rather seen that than both those cars wrecked, but is what it is. Um, overall though, pretty decent weekend. Not, not too shabby. Last thing before we wrap up, will any team ever be able to stop the option? Or how about this? Will UNLV ever be able to stop the option? No. Not when you let the other team run for 77 times and over 400 yards on you. Oh, they ran 77? I thought it was 47. 77 times Air Force ran on UNLV. They're going to pass here. I'm feeling it. This is where they they throw. And it was for 420 yards, I think, or 406 or whatever it was. Truthfully, I think what really lost UNLV that game was the turnover on the first possession and then the turnover on the kick return. Um. That put them down 14-0 pretty much almost immediately. Uh, I had just gone down to the field. Um, While I was heading down to the field, and UNLV was about to score, and then I get to the field, and it's 14-0. And I'm like, what happened? (laughs) I I thought we were up 14-0 for a second, um, and then it was the other way around. So, uh, yeah, not not an ideal start, and I honestly think that's what lost them the game. Not saying they would have won, but... I think they would have maybe played Air Force a whole lot closer, um, but it just changed the whole swing and momentum of the game, those first two possessions. Yeah, I mean, four turnovers equating to 28 points. You take those away, it's 14-7 to seven instead of 42-7. to seven, So, I think I would have just taken 42-7 to seven over a 14-7 game at that point. That would have been, been a rough watch. Yeah, I mean, at <laughs> least we knew what the outcome was going to be pretty early on, so... <laughs> we have that. A fourteen to seven. I don't know if the ref goes into the crowds if it's a if it's a fourteen to seven game. He might have a little bit more to watch, I guess. Yeah. Um I mean I've always said it like open up the investigation on Mountain West officiating, like for basketball, for football, like especially when they come to Vegas, they seem to be a little bit more out of pocket. They're I'll I'll say this about Mount West officiating. 
they're the most shady for basketball at Boise State. And go back and watch any home game for Boise State in um, Albertsons or Taco Bell Arena, whatever the fuck it's called now. That that is the most shady Mount West for shading I've ever seen. There's games where like you're just frustrated and you gotta you blame it all on the refs or you know there's a couple bad calls and you put the blame on the refs. But Mount West officiating is actually like you raise an eyebrow a little bit for those games. Like I think Matt can agree to me on that, mm-hmm. um, especially with UNLV basketball. There there've been there's been some shady shit. There's been some shady like. Uh, but six years ago, seven years ago, there was a buzzer beater that was clearly out of Devell Smith's hands for UNLV. Called it back. That was the whole when Leon Rice did that like yep. unnecessary like scream when the ref uh, called it back. Um, and then there was another incident where um, a Colorado State player, the ball was literally in the air and they called it back because of a, a shot clock error or something. It was some bullshit. AKA, you know, the fix was in. So, um, and uh, there was one time where Boise State against UNLV shot 41 free throws. 41, in a college basketball game, they shot 41 free throws compared to UNLV's like 12. So, yeah, Mount, if you want to see bad Mount West officiating, watch Boise State play a home game. It is terrible. Well, who's your favorite Mountain West basketball ref? <laughs> Dave, Dave Hall. Ah, there it That's is. That's his Dave. name, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. He, he actually... I. I he knows UNLV fans hate him, and I think he plays into it a little bit. Um, he knows Joey hates him. Yeah, Dave Hall is Dave Hall is terrible. Yeah. I can't stand him. It, it, UNLV, a UNLV player could get decked going to the rim. He won't see a thing. Um, but if you so much lay a finger on the opposing team, he may just throw you out of the game. I don't know. So Dave Hall, every time I see him walk out of the tunnel to Thomas and Mac and see him do his warm-ups, I, I know it's going to be a long night. I think anytime we see Dave Hall, if we're sitting in the student section, we need to go to like the first row and just tackle. He's he's the equivalent to like the Scott Frost. Yeah. Like he's the Mountain West's Scott Frost. So yeah, he's pretty bad. But um yeah, Mount West, they've they've had this issue forever. They've had an officiating. Um they have the Mount West is honestly they have a conference issue. They have a officiating is, issue. Um especially if the Pac twelve expands, there mu- there won't be much of a Mount West left. Um, I was like, what would you do if you saw an officiating crew for a UNLV game of uh, Dave Hall, uh, Scott Foster, and Tony Brothers? Those, those are the three guys doing the game. Two NBA refs are doing a college basketball game? Yeah, they got they were, they were so bad they got they demoted. Got demoted. <laughs> um, I'd probably just leave. <laughs> Even like, if I was working it, I'd be like, okay, well, this is... Not going to go good. This is going to be pointless. This is going to be the... Like, that, that, would, that would probably be the worst basketball game ever. It would be. Especially, like, um, if UNLV was playing San Diego State that game, too, considering, like, both teams are going to be really good defensively this year, like, that would just be a... That'd be, like, a 38-39 to 39 final score. Gross. So, that'd be a hard watch. Or it might be more, actually, because they'll be calling so many fouls. Um, that would be, like, a four-hour game. Yeah. You'd see, like, four made field goals <laughs> because everything else would just be free throws. So, yeah. it'd be a battle. It'd be a, it'd be a free throw contest, pretty much. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I don't think I would waste my time watching it if those three were the refs. Oh boy, that that's that's really bad. Yeah, um, but that'll do it for us here on a Tuesday. Four back and forth. We're back on Thursday with our week eight college football picks. I believe is where we're on now. Week eight. Uh, we'll also have a little preview of Thursday night football to get you set for that. 
again, we appreciate you guys tuning in. I've been your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Joining along as always by my co-host, Joey G. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, at BackForthPod. Instagram is at BackForthPodcast. And make sure you give the official home for Back and Forth, that being the Talk That Talk Media Company, a follow on Twitter, at TTT Media Company. The rest of their socials are spelled out at Talk That Talk Media Company. That'll do it for us here on a Tuesday, and we're back on Thursday. <laughs>